Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Happy Easter, everybody! My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a joy to welcome you, especially if it's your first time, or maybe you're with family or friends, or maybe you haven't been to church in a while, and you got up this morning and said, you know what, Easter Sunday is a day that we need to come back, and as a family, we need to celebrate that he is alive, and I'm excited to be able to join you. I'm excited because all around this world, churches are filled with individuals coming to celebrate the King of Kings. And and it's a picture to me, a little picture of heaven. Because isn't it true, as we look at this worship center that is packed, whether you're watching online or whether you're up in the balcony or on the floor, it's packed with smiling faces, with different backgrounds, with different experience. I don't care if you're white or black. I don't care if you're Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Catholic, Lutheran. I don't care about that. What I care about the fact is that we've all gathered under the banner of Jesus Christ and we're all celebrating that he is alive. Amen? Amen. You can clap for that. And if you haven't been here in a while, I will tell you that that this is what God intended. He intended all those who believed him to take their unique personalities and backgrounds to join together for a higher and greater purpose. I mean, isn't it true in life that many of us come from different backgrounds? We, we grew up differently. We have different experiences with church even. Some of you came from an amazing and loving church and you're here today and you're serving today. Some of us, we might have came from a church that, that we look at and says, oh, I don't want to go back or I don't want to do that. But whatever it is you came from, we all have different personalities. For instance, some of you in this room, you, you come from a blue collar background. That when I hold these shoes up, they represent hard work. They represent building. They represent constructing. I wish I had some of the abilities that these shoes represent. But if I hold these shoes up, you'd say, no, I can relate to that background. Some of you in this room, you come from a different part of the country maybe, and maybe you're out on the farm, or maybe you come from a little bit where when I say the word rodeo, you say yeehaw, and you love it. Maybe you're from Texas, and everything, from what I understand, is bigger in Texas. I'm just saying. That's why these boots are so tall. But I wouldn't even know how to step into these boots. Now, true story, I was in South Florida, and there was a cowboy boot little kind of phase, and I did have a pair of my own cowboy boots, but you'd laugh at my cowboy boots compared to these. Some of you, you know, you might have sat there, and you might be a little bit like Pastor David, where you're just unique. I don't even have words, I'm just, but God loves you. I'm just saying, God loves you, okay? Some of you might be privileged in this room and you might have grown up understanding and having a little bit more insight into God's plan. And and you might have come from a place where you were blessed to be able to have a sports team that was God's team and you were able to root for your Chicago Cubs. (laughs) Amen, I, I hear you back in there, amen back there. My son gave me these for Christmas one year, and they're very comfy, I'm just going to say. No matter what background you're from, it's amazing when all of the followers of Jesus come together and use their gifts and talents to be able to glorify him. And if you're in this room today, maybe, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're skeptical. Maybe you're not sure 
if Jesus was the Son of God. You're here with family and friends, and you're here to, you know, just to honor them, and you're here to be able to worship, but really, you're just looking and saying, you know, I'm just, I just don't get it. I, I'm glad you're here, because I, I was in that place. Because they did a study just recently um, around the world, and they said, you know, how many individuals believe that Jesus Christ was a real person? And, you know, it came back that over 90% of the population of the world believed that Jesus Christ was a real person. However, of that same statistic, of those 90%, there's only 55% that actually believe that Jesus was God and is God. And to illustrate that a different way, I like to look at it, of those 90%, maybe some of you are represented in this room today where you say, Terry, I believe he's a real person. And by the way, there are many of us that are heading out to Israel at the end of the year this year, and you're going to walk in the places of Jesus. And I will tell you, I know why over 90% of the population believe that he existed, because there is irrefutable evidence on that land, all over that land, that Jesus was a real person. And so it doesn't surprise me that many individuals, 90% or so, believe that he was a real person. And unfortunately, it doesn't surprise me either that many individuals have doubts that separate them from the belief that he was the son of God. And if you're in that place today where, where there is a chasm, there is a distance between the doubts that you have and the belief in Jesus Christ, I'm excited that you're here today. Because today, we're gonna talk about this gap we're gonna talk about what we're responsible for in this gap, and I think you're gonna be surprised. But more importantly, I pray that you would realize what you need to do with this gap in your life, especially considering today's Easter Sunday. So in order to do that, we need to begin, and we need to take a few examples from Jesus' life. And so I'm gonna tell you a story today about Jesus, and I'm gonna illustrate some things that I don't think we realize that Jesus did through the narrative of the New Testament. And so we're going to begin in the book of Matthew, and I want to just share this with you, is that Jesus was from Nazareth. He was raised in Nazareth. He had a carpenter for a father. He had friends in the neighborhood. He, I, I can imagine he played baseball, and even though baseball didn't exist then, but that's God's sport, so I imagine he played baseball with all the neighborhood kids, stickball, lots of fun. But there became a point in Jesus' life where things shifted. And we're going to pick that up in Matthew chapter 4, verse 13. Take a look at this. It says, leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Take the O off that, guys. That, it's not Italian, I promise. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And this is what Isaiah said. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now, don't miss this. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is important. Because up until this time, Jesus was living on the earth. He was perfect. He was impressing everyone. I mean, imagine Joseph and Mary standing by and go, yeah, that's my boy. Yep, that's my boy. He's perfect in every way. I mean, some of you parents think your kids are perfect. No, they really had a perfect child, if you know what I'm saying. But then all of a sudden, Jesus said, it's time. And he began at that moment to fulfill his purpose. And the way that he did it, and what I like to say is this, is that Jesus changed his shoes. 
And Jesus, all of a sudden, began to live the life that God intended from the beginning of time, and that was purposeful. Because Jesus revealed his mission to mankind. I did not come here just to live among you and to be an example. I came for a higher purpose because Jesus was purposeful. And I would ask you the question is, is there many of us in this room, did you know that God designed you for a purpose? Did you know that God designed you for far greater things than just living among your family and friends? I can promise you that. And so Jesus began to tell everyone there is a purpose, there is a plan, there is a higher purpose, and God's purpose is to restore mankind to the Father. And so Jesus was in Capernaum at this time, and this is the area in which he did most of his ministry, and it's right on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And I love it because I've been to this place. So this is where he met Matthew the tax collector. And Matthew the tax collector was despised. He was disgusting. Nobody liked Matthew. And Jesus walked into Capernaum and Matthew is sitting there saying, tax please. And he calls Matthew and Matthew begins to follow Jesus. And then they walk over to the north side of the Sea of Galilee and it's beautiful today. You can walk on that shore today. And as he walked up, he sees a bunch of fishermen pulling their boats ashore and washing their nets. And I want you to see the interaction between Jesus because something magical happens. This is Luke chapter five, verse four. Take a look. It says, when he had finished speaking, he was teaching people on the shore side. He said to Simon, I want you to put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now pause here. I love this because if you don't know this story, Peter was fishing all morning with all of his friends and brothers. And you know that Peter didn't catch a lick. In fact, it doesn't surprise me because I don't like calling it fishing. I like calling it wading. Because I don't know about you, but every time I go out to go fishing, I end up doing a whole lot of waiting and a whole lot of not catching fish. And so that's what happened to Peter is they're out all morning long on the Sea of Galilee and they don't catch anything. And they're professional fishermen. They understand that water better than anybody. And they realize, let's pack it up, guys. Today is not the day. And so all of a sudden, they bring their nets in. They wash their nets. Jesus starts teaching. And then he looks at them and says, hey, guys, we're going to go out for a catch. And I love this because I want you to see the interaction between Peter and Jesus at this moment. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the creator of the universe. And he looks at his creation and he says, we're gonna go catch some fish. And here's what Peter said. It says this, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. It's kind of like Peter looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, I appreciate it. I mean, you're a good teacher. I mean, you're, you know, you're, but your shoes are different than my shoes. I mean, I, I'm around fish all the time. I know fish. I know these waters. I mean, you know, I appreciate it. But we've not caught anything. So come on, Jesus. It's as if in that moment was really important for you and I. And if, again, if you fall asleep at all, I'll give you 20 minutes to take a nap. Someone will wake you up later. But don't miss this point because this is really important for you and I. This is really important for humanity. Because Peter illustrated what you and I do every single day of our lives in our relationship with God. Peter expressed doubt. And you and I in this room, on the balcony watching online, in our relationship with God, I don't care whether you're a follower of Jesus for 80 years or whether you don't believe in God, we doubt the power and purpose of God every day of our life. And so Peter expressed doubt in that process. Guys, you can go to the next screen. And so as Peter expressed doubt, then something's going to happen. And I want you to see what Jesus does in that moment. It says this, 
It says, Jesus says, but because, excuse me, Peter says, but because you say so, Jesus, even though I don't think it's a good idea, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am such a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. Then Jesus said to Simon, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and they left everything and they followed him. I love this because in this moment, this was not just a great catch. This is a catch that they never seen before. And so you want to talk about eating crow? Peter at that moment ate a big lot of crow. He sat there and said, oh my gosh, I doubted you and I've never seen this. This is a miracle and so we need help. We're sinking. Okay, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're doing, but you are different and you said this was going to happen and it did. So whatever you want, I'm following you. And Jesus said, don't worry. Jesus looked into the doubt of Peter, and he was okay with that doubt. Do you understand that? There are some of us in this room that we don't want to follow Jesus because we have a lot of doubts, and we don't think that God's big enough to handle our doubts. But here's the truth. Jesus is well big enough to handle your doubts and your questions, because he did for Peter. So Peter sat there and said, okay, God, whatever you want. And then Jesus says, today, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. In essence, what Jesus said is, you've been wearing fisherman's sandals all your life, Peter. And today, I'm going to do something different. Today, I'm asking you to go ahead and to change your shoes. And yes, I'm going to take my socks off and show you my white feet and do not laugh in this room at my feet. I need more sun, as you can tell. But he looked at these disciples and he said, I want to change your shoes. I want to give you a different purpose. Did you know that, Peter, your life has a higher purpose? Did you know that I can do amazing things even though you're a fisherman through your life? And so Peter and the disciples changed their shoes. You know, it reminds me of the time when I finally said yes to Jesus. And I remember I doubted God and doubted God and doubted God. And finally, when I was at the end of my rope, I finally said, God, if you can change me, then go ahead and do it. I dare you. And Jesus looked into the doubt of Terry and he handled the doubt of Terry. And he said, even though you doubt, even though you don't understand a lick, you're willing through your doubt. Don't miss this. This is where you can go to sleep right after this. In the midst of your doubt, Terry, you don't believe 100%. You don't understand 100%. But I'll tell you right now, I'm not expecting that. What I am expecting, though, is, is in the midst of your doubt, are you willing to change your shoes? And are, are you willing to take a step of faith toward me? Because if you're willing to take a step of faith toward me, then I can do miracles. If you're willing to throw the nets over the water, even though you don't think there's any fish, I'm going to do a miracle in your life. And Peter said, Lord, I don't get you, I don't understand you, but I'm ready, so I'm changing my shoes. And some of you in this room, you've changed your shoes. And some of you have experienced that purpose. And there's nothing quite like it. 
and you've taken steps. God, this doesn't make fi- sense financially, but you know what? This is what you say, so I'm gonna trust you. Oh my gosh, I can never outgive God. Oh my gosh, it's amazing what God did in my life. All I have to do is take a step of faith and look what God does in my life. And we've worn these shoes and we walk in these shoes and it's been incredible. But I love the fact that Jesus was leading the, the disciples and the disciples were following and they're walking in their shoes and they're like, and, and I can imagine Peter, if it was me, it's like, look, guys, I don't get this. I don't understand this. He's doing, he says he can heal a leper. I don't think he can do it, but let's watch him. Oh my gosh, he healed the leper. That's incredible. So tell you what, guys, just watch his feet and just follow and do what he says. And that's what they did. And that's what many of us in this room, we said, we're gonna follow. But do you know that Jesus didn't want them to stay like that forever? In fact, there came a point where Jesus knew that Easter Sunday is coming. And Jesus knew that he wasn't gonna be on the earth to lead them physically. So he looked at his disciples and he said, you know what, I've got something else I want you to do. And we pick up the story in Luke chapter 10, verse one. Take a look at this. It says that after the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Do you realize what Jesus did in that moment? He said, hey, I appreciate that you're following me, but there's gonna come a time where I'm not here physically, and what I want you to do is, you're gonna need to go ahead of me now. I need you to break these shoes in. So Jesus called his disciples to break in their new shoes. I want you to walk on your own, I want you to realize that you have power in and through me, that I don't have to be there with you because you have that power and I'm God and I can work in and through you. And I think some of us in this room, we just kind of figure, well, I don't have that kind of power. There's nothing special about me. It's all Jesus, which it is. But do you know that Jesus Christ works in and through you to do amazing things? And that's why he looked at Peter and said, walk on your own, Peter. Experience, heal people. And that was incredible because if you read the New Testament, the disciples went on two by two and they were performing miracles and doing things of God. I could just imagine, if I've got to be honest, if I was a disciple at the time, I would abuse that power. I'm just saying. I'd have just walked around and I'd say, see that guy over there with a limp? Kick them! And, you know, no limp. That would have been me. And, I, and they would have been like, oh my gosh, thank you. I'm like, no, 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 really, really, no, 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 really, really, really. All Jesus, but really, really. And that's what the disciples were doing. They were breaking in their new shoes. They were doing amazing things. And sometimes we get amazed in this room when we do things in the power of God that we never thought we could accomplish. This past week, we celebrate on Thursday night, the last night of Jesus. And here at our church, we gathered together for a time of communion and prayer. And we talked about the Last Supper and and I was just so mindful last week that Jesus sat at this table with his disciples who were following him and breaking in their shoes. And do you know that while he was sitting there eating, he looks over to his left and there's two or three disciples who, who believe in him, who love him, who are arguing about who's gonna be greater. And then he looks to the other side of the table and he sees a guy who's ready to betray him and turn him over to be killed. And these are the guys that are following him, and I must imagine that Jesus is sitting there, and if I was Jesus, I'd have been like, enough! You guys don't get it, I've had it with you, you get out of here because you're gonna do something crazy. That's what I would have done. But do you know that Jesus sat there and he ate with them? And he loved them? They left that room that night, and they walked across the Kidron Valley up to the Mount of Olives. Jesus prayed three times and his disciples fell asleep. And then he woke them up and said, 
Have you fallen asleep again? Because look, my betrayer is here. And all of a sudden, here comes Judas with a legion of Roman soldiers. And this is where we pick the story up in Matthew 25. Take a look at this. It says, in that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then it says this, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. We don't look at that that often, right? We're focused on Jesus and he was arrested, but we kind of forget about the fact that the disciples, the ones who just had a meal with him, the one who were exposed to God's plan in that moment, they all of a sudden said, you know, guys, he said he's God, but he just got arrested. He was supposed to be the king of Jerusalem and kick all Rome out. Instead, Rome just captured him. He's not even fighting them. Maybe he's not God. Maybe he can't do what we thought he could do. And so in that moment, not only did they flee, but really symbolically what they did is the shoes that Jesus gave them, they took off. While Jesus was forced to remove his shoes, his disciples voluntarily removed theirs. And the disciples went back. And they went back to their own type of shoes. And here's the question that I have for all of us in this room today. What shoes are you wearing today? If you're a follower of Jesus and you know that there was one point in your life that you said yes to Jesus, you know what it's like to put on the shoes that Jesus gave you. But I have a question to ask you. What shoes are you wearing today? Are you wearing shoes that are every day trying to take a step to understand who Jesus is more? Are you wearing shoes to follow in his footsteps? Or did you finally get to a place where you say, you know what, just time, energy, and maybe you've even forgotten taking those shoes off. The truth is, is that for some of us in this room, we've forgotten that we have a higher purpose than just our family and our friends. So did you used to have a pair of Jesus shoes? If so, where are they now? You see, I think, I'm not coming hard in, in the balcony on the floor and online. Here's what I think happens, and I want you to lean in for a second. I believe the reason why we take those shoes off is because our doubt overwhelms us. Culture, the things of the world, cast doubt into our lives, and it causes us to stand there and say, you know what, I think I know better. You know what, God says this, but you know what, that doesn't make sense, and so I doubt and I doubt. You know what, I lost a child. How in the world can I follow a God who allowed my child to be killed? There is no way that I can follow him or trust him or believe in him, so I doubt. I'm taking these shoes off, and I'm getting rid of these shoes, and we stand in a place of doubt, and we stand here with our family, with our friends, and we don't move. And I would say, I understand. It's hard. It's hard when you have something like that happen. It's hard when you have something that happens in your life. When doubt overwhelms you, it's really easy to take off those shoes. Well, here's the thing I want to encourage you today. God doesn't expect you to 100% get him, understand him, or believe in him. Because God is bigger than the doubt that you're living in today. And God looks at us who are bare feet, who are living on our own, who are wearing our own shoes, and God says, do you realize that the shoes you're wearing don't have power? 
Terry, do you realize today, look, I know that you love the Cubs, and I know that you love sports, and I know that you love going to baseball games, but do you realize that these things don't have power? And they look pretty funny, too. Terry, I want to give you different shoes. I want to give you shoes that I can use your life to impact thousands. Terry, do you believe that that can happen? And I got to be honest, when God called me into ministry, I sat there and fought him and fought him and fought him because I doubted, God, there is nothing better than this. There is nothing bigger than this. There is nothing greater than this. So why in the world would I follow you? And finally, I said, fine, I don't get it. And I put on the shoes that he gave me and I took a step of faith. And all of a sudden, I see God do miraculous things. So if you're here today, God has a higher purpose. And the disciples had to figure that out. And we pick the final end of the story. Take a look at John chapter 20, and this is where we pick it up with the disciples. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran, and she found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Isn't that amazing? Doubt, doubt, doubt. It wasn't, he's risen from the dead. No, it was, the soldiers have taken him out of the tomb. They've stolen the body. We don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stopped He stooped down and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and don't miss this. He saw and he believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead, then they went home. John and Peter ran to the tomb. John and Peter saw the empty tomb. And finally, John, in his own words, in in the writings of the New Testament, John looks, sees the empty tomb, and believes he is who he said he was. He rose from the dead. And John in that moment believed. John took a step of faith toward total belief and said he is the son of God. If you don't hear anything else I say here today, focus on this. The distance between your doubt and 100% belief is what we call trust. I already said Jesus is big enough to handle your doubts. Jesus is big enough to handle your doubts. A strong relationship with Jesus is not based on total belief. I'm gonna say it again. A strong relationship with Jesus is not based on total belief. I'm only gonna have total belief and understanding when I get to heaven and ask Jesus a whole bunch of questions. But a strong relationship with Jesus happens when you start to take steps of faith, and you start every day saying, God has a purpose and a plan for my life. God can do amazing things in and through my life. And if I just take a step of faith and trust him as Lord and Savior, then he will do amazing things. In essence, trust is the point where your doubt meets belief. That's what trust is. You know, there's a story in the Testament, I'm done. Because there's many of you in this room 
that you're here and you're saying, well, Terry, I, I'm, I'm just not a part of the family of God. I, I just, you know, I've done too many things. I've, you know, I, I, you just don't know. I mean, you're talking to a whole bunch of other people, but you're not talking to me. Did you know that you were created by God for a purpose? Every single person in this room was created by God. I don't care whether you believe in him or not, the fact remains that you got here on this earth, and by the way, you have far greater faith than I do to think that an explosion happened in the universe and you just amazingly appeared. If you got that kind of belief, I wanna talk to you because your faith is incredible. But those of us that are followers of Jesus know that we were created in the image of God and you were created for a purpose. Whether you believe it or not, that is the truth. And there's nothing greater than God wants than for you to be a part of his family. And there was a story that was once told that Jesus told about a father and a son. And a father loved his family and loved his son unconditionally. And the son rejected his father, embarrassed his father. His son was disrespectful to his father, did the worst that you could imagine, wishes his dad was dead. That's the kind of son he was. And so he threw the hand up to his dad and his family and he said, just give me money, give me my money, which he didn't earn. And he left the family, left the house, turned his back on him and went and did whatever he wants. In other words, he grabbed his shoes and he walked out the door. And while he was out there squandering the money and living the way that he wanted to live, he realized this is not the way to live. And he sat there and he wondered, is there a higher plan, a higher purpose? Can God really do something different in my life? Maybe it wasn't so bad to be at the house with my father. And here's what he thought, don't miss this. He said, you know what, maybe if I go back, maybe they'll give me a place in the yard. Maybe I can live with the servants. Maybe I could just go back. I just need a place to belong. And what was amazing is the son made his way back to the family. And do you know the father who represents our heavenly father? Do you know what I love about that story is? He didn't sit on the stoop. Like, I got to imagine. I can imagine my dad, former Marine. If I ever did that, and I love my dad, and he's in heaven, and I'll see him one day. But my dad, his personality, if it was me coming back, he would have sat up there like this. And I'd have been scared to death. But do you know what the story says? The father didn't do that. The father ran out and he embraced his son. And he welcomed him. And I want to pick up the story in Luke 15, 21. Take a look at this. It says, then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And some of you feel that way. I'm no longer to even sit in this church. I'm no longer even to be considered any part of Christianity. And I want you to look at what the father said. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and don't miss the end. Put sandals on his feet. Today you thought that you were coming to an Easter service, some of you, but today what really is happening is, is that Jesus Christ is looking at those of you that took your shoes off or those of you that never put them on, and he's saying, I don't want you to put on the shoes that I gave the disciples. Instead, I want you to receive me as Lord and Savior and to begin to trust in the midst of your doubt. And if you trust in the midst of your doubt, here's what Jesus does for us. He doesn't give us different shoes. He's telling us, I want you to wear my shoes because I am God and I live in and through you and you have the power 
of the Holy Spirit, and you have the power to do what I can do if you just trust me. And some of us in this room, it's time for us to put Jesus' shoes on. So what shoes are you wearing? And are you willing to change your shoes? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this message. And God, right now, in a spirit of prayer online, in the balcony on the floor, there are individuals, God, right now that are wrestling with where their relationship is with you. And God, they're doubting whether they can do it. They're doubting whether they can change. And God, you're big enough to handle all the doubts that they can bring. And so the message today is very simply, God, I pray that they would trust you enough to take one step. So today in this room, if your desire is to take one step, one step of commitment to grow closer to God, to trust him as Lord and Savior, then all you have to do is echo these words in the attitude and posture of your heart. And the words go like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I know that I haven't been living the way that you've called me to live, but God, I want a higher purpose. I want a better life. I want the plan that you have for me. And so God, I don't understand it all. I don't get it all. But God, thank you that if I ask, you are faithful to forgive my sin as far as the east is from the west. And you are faithful to allow your Holy Spirit to come in my life to give me power to be able to take steps of faith every day and trust you for the first time. God, I'm not going to understand everything and I'm not going to be perfect. But you don't call me to that. You just call me to take steps of faith when you call me. So God, I trust you. I believe you. And because of that, I will spend eternity in heaven. So God, use me to change my family, change my community, and may you change my life forevermore. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. For those of you in this room that just put on new shoes, I celebrate with you. The heavens celebrate with you. And if you're local in the area, we encourage you to let us know so that we could come alongside of you and to help you walk in the footsteps of Jesus. May God bless you.